Hi guys, welcome to the Church Split. My name is Will. We have Brian with us today, and we are doing another rebuttal for you. <laughs> Apparently, you guys really like our rebuttals, which is great because we like doing them. We like talking about how everyone else is wrong. We're always right. And <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, we actually have been wrong on like one occasion in our lives. So. <laughs> so anyway, guys, if you haven't already, like and subscribe to the church split, all that good stuff. You guys already know it's internet. If you don't know how to do the internet, I can't help you. Now, um... <laughs> few things before we jump into this. So uh, one, if you're watching on YouTube, my shirt says, I don't go to church on the front. You I swear I do go to church. <laughs> uh, on the back of it, it's simply, it's got Frontline Bible Church, the church I go to right now. Um, it says, I don't go to church on the front. I am the church on the back. So, but you guys only see the front here. So I can see how that makes me look <laughs> a little bit edgier than the church split normally already is. So anyway. Uh, <laughs> already pushing buttons. Pushing the buttons all the time. <laughs> so the thing is, is uh, so if you guys are not familiar with Rhett and Link with like ear biscuits and all that stuff that they do, um, do you live under a rock like Good Mythical Morning? Like, I don't know. Like these guys are They're pretty well known. What? They're pretty well known. Very well known, especially when YouTube was really taken off and it was mostly entertainment, goofy stuff and yep. all that. Uh, Rhett and Link were huge. They did rap battles, which are hilarious, by the way. Uh, they're, they're, they were comedians and they were musicians, but they were also Christians. And a lot of people knew that they were standard evangelicals. I think they even subscribed to Young Earth Creationism. Like they were very much the idea of a conservative evangelical. They fit the stereotype. Yeah. At least, yeah. At least most stereotypes when you typically think of it. Now, about a year ago, these guys on their uh, on their podcast, Ear Biscuits, they both told their story of how they uh, re- walked away from the Christian faith. Now, la- we did do a response video. This was soon after we moved in, and we had only put up paneling. We had we were bare minimum trying to figure out how to make this particular area work for our studio. So you could go back and listen to our episode, but the audio is a little echoey. Um, also, we didn't have clips playing because we didn't have the software or means to do so back then. So you can go ahead, but you probably want to watch their episodes first, and then we it's us talking about what they said. Yep. So not as you, much fun. What? Not as much fun. Not as much fun. So you'd have to watch their other their their deconstructing of their faith uh, episodes to really actually understand what the heck is happening that we're talking about. Yep. So um. Now we have a better me- method to do so. So anyway, with that being said, wh- you know, for originally it was just, well, let's talk about it. like what they're talking about here doesn't necessarily always fully add up. And also, this is not a reason to leave the Christian faith. Like that was kind yeah. of a thing we mentioned. They're asking terrible questions. Yeah, the, the question. Yeah, exactly. The questions were like, what? I don't. And but at the same time, we listened to it, man. My heart felt felt for, felt for them. Like mm-hmm. I felt terrible. As they're, you know, because their faith got shipwrecked and just praying for them. You hope they come back to the faith and you're like, man, you were one of us and yeah. now you're not. And you were in such an influential position. And oh, that and all I could think about were all the people who were influenced by them to walk away from the faith. Yeah. But then no. <laughs> uh, I heard about them doing a one year later after coming out uh, as like agnostic, whatever. He actually is a very undefined. He, mm-hmm. he, he has pretty much admitted that. But they're not Christians and they know that. So they don't know what's true, but Christianity is not true, I guess. Um, but the issue is here is that so a year later they put out this and I heard about it and I was like, oh, I'm going to listen to it. Maybe we'll do a follow up video. And then it just so happens that one of my favorite Christian channels, uh, Trinity Radio, 
put out one. I'm like, oh, well, let's see what they have to say. If it's anything worth uh, talking about, then I'll talk about it. Otherwise, I'll just share around Trinity's video and call it a day. Yeah. And then, Brian, I got angry. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. It was so bad. Not and, Braxton, but this video. Yes, Braxton and Pritchett did great. Um, but after I watched that, I was like, all right, I'm going to go time to listen to the whole thing, sent it to you. And we're here to talk about it. And here's the thing. If you guys want the evangelist approach of like, of a lot more kind, warm and hugs, I would suggest you go to Trinity radio for that. <laughs> not the church split today. Cause the church split, this is not a, I'm reaching out to you video. This is a, I'm refuting everything you said video. Uh, that's what this episode is now. And to clarify. I want Rhett and Link to come back to the faith. Mm-hmm. I want them to come to Christ. And again, nothing that they said in this episode points to Christianity not being true. So for me, I'm like, I still don't really understand it. Why? But yeah. okay. The biggest issue here, though, is is the blatant lies. And the reason why I feel like I have to now stand in the gap and say something, even though we're a small channel, but somebody's got to do it, is... It's a, now is an outright attack on, yeah. on the church. It's slander. Exactly. It's slanderous, and it's misrepresenting me and you and my wife and your wife and all my friends and my pastor. Like, it's misrepresenting us. And so I want to stand to that gap, and I want to speak out against this. So it's, Rhett, if for whatever reason you ever listen or see this, for whatever reason, you, Rhett, or Link, um, don't think that we come at you because we hate you. We actually love you. We want you to come back to the faith. And again, I've always enjoyed your content. Um, but again, it comes down to the idea of you said things that were, that were inaccurate and unsubstantiated. And I would, I would say wrong. And I would even borderline say some of the things you said were evil and you might not understand why, but as I hope as we go along through this, you will see why. I can make that claim, and I think we can substantiate it today. So anyway, with that being said, that's a long intro, everybody, but I really wanted to set the stage. I think setting the stage when you're about ready to do a rebuttal is important. Sometimes you and I just kind of dive right on in, and we don't give the proper context. It's it's true, too, guys. We're not going to play the entire video. Um, We're going to play one clip from kind of the beginning and then a good chunk of the middle and that's what we're going to respond to. There's some more. We'll have the whole link in the description. Yeah, we can't do the full thing, guys. It was an hour and 45-minute episode, wasn't it? Yeah, like it's something it's like long. That. It's like, if we wanted to go point but for point for the whole thing, this would be a six-hour episode, and ain't nobody got time for that. So uh, with that being said, Brian, should we hop on in? Let's do it. The water's fine. It seems that the sort of general evangelical conclusion about us is that we were never Christians, Right. That's where the majority of evangelicals have, have landed. That's hmm. it's like, okay, this is how I interpret this. And this has been pretty fascinating for me personally because this is exactly what I would have said about us, you know, 15 years ago, if I were to watch and hear the stories that we told, I would be like, well, I guess those guys were never Christians or they are still and they will come back to a full faith and full relationship with Christ at some point in the future. And I was thinking about that Uh, and thinking about the way that I used to think about things like this, and it was very much, um, it was a commitment to Christianity, it was a commitment to the Bible, but more so than anything, it was was commitment to an ideology, it was commitment to a system of ideas that yes, have their roots in the Bible, but me and you both came from a reform background, 
you like you came from like a specific like your church was specifically like hey we are reformed and my church was like we're not a reformed denomination but this particular expression of this non-denominational denomination is reformed okay before we get into all of the reformed and everything a few things uh when he says that the, the general consensus is we were never christians um we never said that yeah and I know Braxton is probably one of the big people that did a response as well. And he never said that either. Yeah. Uh, so a couple things here. We never said they were never Christians because I don't know that. I don't know them personally enough to make that deduction. But yeah. I would actually say the others. I would say otherwise. I would say I think they were. Everything they talk about, it sounded like they were very genuine in their faith. Yeah. They were very much invested in it. And so I'll take them at their word on that. It sounds yeah. like... They seemed like they had a pretty good grasp on a lot of the theology. Yeah, well, kind of. Um, <laughs> but, um, but the thing is, is uh, the, when it comes down to this, this is why I think the apostate doctrine is so important. Mm-hmm. Before I was like, oh, I think I've come to the point where I agree that people can go apostate. And then I didn't realize how important it was until people started falling away from the faith like this. And then I was like, no, no, this is why it's important. Because otherwise, you are pulling the no true Scotsman fallacy every single time. Uh, possible, or at least it per- is perceived as the no true Scotsman fallacy. And it's like, no, if they can go apostate, they can go apostate. You know, if they can reject God, they can reject God. Paul even says he surrendered certain people unto Satan, and they made a shipwreck of their faith. Mm-hmm. So I think this is why it's important when people say, what do you mean by apostate doctrine? I mean, being able to be saved and reject God afterwards, and therefore be damn yourself to hell. That's what I mean. Yeah, there is technically three options, if we're really being honest here. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we didn't. Also, we never said that they would come back. Uh, usually, when somebody goes this public, uh, I, and we could probably—I'm speaking anecdotally here—when someone goes this public with they're walking away, they usually do not come back. Uh, and it's just because now everything's attached to it; their credibility is completely attached to it. Um, once you walk away, you can you can make the argument: I was entrenched, I was indoctrinated. Uh, I learned, you know, you can say all those different things your first time, but to go back usually means it's going to be a lot harder. Also, you've usually messed up your mind so much, it's going to be really hard to get yourself. Yeah, and I think this kind of shows, to me at least, they they are potentially exemplifying what is talked about in Hebrews 6, that they really were Christians previously— and they reject God, and now it does seem like it is impossible for them to reach repentance again. And it's not necessarily because God isn't going to accept them, but it seems like they really don't want to, and their hearts are so sent against, set against Christianity, as you're going to see through this episode. Yeah, and you'll definitely see that there's... And this kind of happened last time, too. Like, Rhett is a lot more bold, and Rhett, Rhett seems like, I'll be honest, he seems like an upfront, kind of more honest type. Like, he just doesn't really... Yeah. Well, I appreciate the fact that he's honest, and it seems like he does. He just kind of says what he thinks, kind of like Donald Trump. Okay, <laughs> you're pulling that. You're pulling that punch too early, Brian. People have Sorry. no idea why you're talking about this. Um, but yeah, you know, he kind of speaks that way, even if he doesn't really know what he's talking about. And I will say that, but he he's at least honest. Link is a lot more the feeler in, in mm-hmm. the relationship. Um, and last time, same thing. Rhett tried to come in with some facts and uh, spoke boldly, and Link spoke a bit more, you know, kindly yeah. and just more of like my story. Uh, same thing here. But Rhett has grown some cojones over <laughs> over the period, yeah. and he says some crazy stuff here. So anyway, um, 
then he talks about them being reformed. So let's let's get into this a sec- for a second. Right, yeah. post college, newlywed, the churches we were involved in. Yes, right. So we so we basically, even though I was uncomfortable with it, I kind of subscribed to sort of Calvinism light. You know, like what John Calvin taught. So you've got. Uh, the P in tulip, which is per- perseverance of the saints. This is deep cut for those of you who don't have any experience with well, this. At least you skip to the P. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, but you left the tuli on the table. That's good. Essentially, <laughs> it's this once saved, always saved thing. That again, there's biblical support for it. There's also some biblical. There's some stuff that might bring it into question. But the general sort of consensus of the churches that we came from, and the sort of the the part of the evangelical church that we came from, is that once saved, always saved. And so I just find it interesting that you know you hear a couple of guys who talk about their experience with Christianity, how they were all in for Jesus, they recognize that they were sinners, in desperate need of the grace of God that comes only through accepting the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf. And we made a decision, in my case, multiple decisions just to make sure it take it had taken <laughs> to accept Christ. And you say, those guys were never Christians because that is what you have to believe. Few things, we called it though. We did. <laughs> we called it in our original video. Uh, we said that they it sounded like they came from a reformed background. And especially because he mentioned total depravity. You mentioned the tea and the tulip. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, Link saying, you left the Thule on the table, cracks me up. It's, it that's funny. just a funny statement. That, that is hilarious. But, uh, yeah, uh, and this is where, and uh, I think it's funny how he's like, you know, we made decisions, you know, as, or for me, I made a decision multiple times just to make sure it took, it'd take. And I'm over here just going, huh, ironic. Aren't you a Calvinist? Uh, you, it's, you don't make the decision. God makes the decision. But That's a good uh, point. <laughs> I, I was like, what? Uh, that's why when you're like, oh, they have a good grasp on theology, I was like, mm, kind of. I think they had good hearts probably when they were in ministry, but I don't think they had a good grasp what what the leading ideology was that they subscribed to. Well, clearly they weren't that doctrinally deep because the first episodes they did on this, the questions they were asking, like the problem of evil and some of the other ones, were so elementary, basic Christian doctrine. The fact that like we were just too scared to ask these questions, it's like, good grief, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, this is like a seven year old asked these questions. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, you give a few theodicies and and off it goes. Uh, so the other thing here is. Okay, I know, hello, listeners and watchers. I love you. You know that. Uh, I really appreciate the support. You guys have been great. Uh, But I will say this. I know I have a lot of Reformed people that listen to this. I am not Reformed. And this is why I say that one of the many problems with me with Reformed doctrines is one, I think it creates, okay, I think it creates a lot of issues, but... When it comes to tulip or Calvinism, he he said it's Calvinism light. He said, I tried, you could tell instantly just the idea of tulip. Now, for those who do not know, it's total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and perseverance of the saints. He just said that he had some issues with it, but he just kind of went with it. Mm Mm-hmm. Because instantly the cognitive dissonance create is created. If original sin is true and all these different things, then you are your heart's on sin. God has to choose you. He has to give you his irresistible grace in order to be saved. Well, that yep. means he condemns some and saves others uh, through arbitrary choice. And I can see why that would cause anyone who believes in the Christian faith to have a hard time believing God is good, which also makes question, which also answers the question as to why those questions could even come up in the first place. Well, why, why go to? Why should people go to hell? 
if they didn't have, if they couldn't have done yeah. otherwise. Things like that. You know, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to get on the reformed kick right now, but it is one of those things where like that makes sense than why you were those objections probably seem more powerful to you if that was the frame of reference you were using. Yeah, and they referenced this in the first video that one of the things that was like a thread that got pulled that led to them losing their faith was this idea of total depravity. And they moved to California, and they're meeting atheists and agnostics and people with other belief systems. Homosexuals, whatever. And they're like, but they're but they're showing good morals. They might not have the same basis that Christians have for some of this mor- these morality, but they are doing good things. They're caring for the poor. They're loving others. They're giving of themselves um, uh, humbly. Yeah. And that really kind of was like a, almost like a watershed moment for them. They're like, well, that's not what's supposed to happen. If you're not a Christian and not regenerated, then you have no ability to do anything good. I was told that as an atheist, I would... You know, these people would be horrible, living in degeneracy and evil and mean and addicted to things or whatever. And they and they they were confronted with the opposite. They even saw on Twitter uh, an atheist uh, said, "Where's all that sex and money I was supposed to get when I became an atheist?" <laughs> <laughs> Cracked me up um, because it's like, yeah, that's the picture that so many people paint, and it's not helpful because guess what? Total depravity flies in the face of a few things. You're creating the image of God. So if you're creating your God's image bearer, then you have value by nature, and also means that you probably have some sort of intuition that other people don't. You have the forbidden knowledge of good and evil, so you have both. So you have the knowledge of both, which means you have a desire for both. And then Romans one says their law is written on your heart, which means that mankind is. And then also Acts seventeen says that they might you know think and reason and feel their way toward God, when in reality is not far from each of us. It's like no. There's so many things that push against this idea of total depravity. But if you've been taught that, I can see why when you saw somebody who's not supposed to be a Christian doing the good thing, you go, what I've been taught is untrue. Mm-hmm. And it's so, and that's why false or dangerous doctrines can actually completely destroy someone's entire faith because they look at their faith as the doctrines and they're these underpins. Once one breaks, the whole thing breaks. As opposed to going, I have my faith in Jesus Christ, but my doctrines are fluid. They're able to move when confronted with the truth. Yeah. Our doctrines need to be movable. You need to be able to be willing to move your doctrines instead of maybe completely shipwrecking your faith. But at least make the assumption that when you see something that seems contradictory to what the Bible teaches, it might not be that the Bible is wrong. It might be that your interpretation of the Bible is wrong. So instead of just running away from saying, oh, it's all wrong, maybe you need to have some self-reflection. Yeah, maybe t- take a minute to examine it. So um, anyway... Um, that's enough about Reformed doctrine. I love you all, my Reformed friends. The power of ideology. Um, the, <laughs> the power of ideology. But we didn't. We, we should have let him finish that. We, we he got he got three words out. Well, Four. that's the, that's the next clip. So that was the end of that first clip. Was and he ends it with the power of ideology. And he's saying that all these ideas, and you have to think this way, and it's illogical because the power of ideology. I want you to remember that phrase as we get into the second clip because it's clear, it's very clear that Rhett is under the power of an ideology. Right, because they, yeah, they're going to, they, they clearly succumb to an ideology here. And I also want to point this out. A lot, of, I've heard a lot of atheists uh, say this, and I've heard a lot of Christians say this uh, of, oh, the power of ideology, man. Uh, yeah. Ideology is powerful because ideology is literally your method of thinking. If it, it impacts your worldview, the way you perceive reality, 
the way you perceive reality is a very powerful thing because it's literally the way you interact with the material world. Mm -hmm. So whatever you believe and whatever you think is going to impact you. I just think it's funny when someone uses it as like a way to demean somebody else. Ugh, the power of ideology. It's like, yeah, of course it's an ideology. You and I talk about this all the time. There's this idea that Brian and I talk about called the absurdity of belief, which is this, whenever you hear something that's contrary to your belief, you think it's absurd. Mm -hmm. But every belief is absurd if you think about it. It's just whether or not you have justification for your belief. Yeah, if it doesn't fit within your worldview, it is absurd to you. Exactly. So anyway, I just thought that was funny when people bring that up as a defeater and you're like, but everyone's got an ideology. Yeah. I have an ideology. You have an ideology. We all have one. It's just whether or not yours is good. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to see here's his ideology and it's pretty poor. It's bad. Now, I haven't been part of the evangelical church for several, many years. I, it was like six or seven years probably. But, you know, before we told our stories... There was a lot of speculation about us that we might be still be evangelical Christians because there was lots of public evidence of that from our past. You could pull it up Cumulative, and yeah. you, you, you could come to that conclusion. And the actions of white evangelicals in the year 2020 served as a strong confirmation for me personally to have publicly disassociated myself from the church. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> now. Again, I left because I came to what for me was an inescapable inescapable conclusion that the church had a spurious relationship with the truth. And I feel like that spurious <laughs> relationship with the truth was born out in 2020. But it's more than just a spurious relationship with the truth. I think um, the church demonstrated that it has a spurious relationship with justice as well. Oh, so on the issue of, of racial later. injustice, and I'm going to pull some data from the Public Religion Research Institute. Um, this is all shout out. This is all straight from there. So this institute is said to be an unbiased, apolitical, nonpartisan. Aren't they uh, all group? That's what everyone says. Uh, we're hey, we're nonpartisan, nonbiased too. You know, <laughs> if everyone's jumping yeah, on that bandwagon. Just so everyone knows, the church split is entirely free from bias. <laughs> We admit what does that we have even bias mean? Too. Everyone has a bias. So the author of this study that he's going to reference as part of his own confirmation bias on his current belief system um, is the, also the CEO of this, this institute. Um, some of his works include White Too Long, The Legacy of White Supremacy in American Christianity and The End of White Christian America. He's frequently featured... And I'm, this is a quote from his website. He is frequently featured in major national media such as CNN, MSNBC, NPR, and the New York Times. That should tell you something about what side he's on and, and where his bias lies. Um, so this guy's the guy who's the author of the study is clearly making money off being very anti-white evangelical. He yep. clearly has an axe to grind. Um, not not to say that everything he does is invalid. But I think it at least shows where his bias is. In this study, he's citing this as like fact, and it's clear that this is this is very oh, biased study. Yeah. And wait till you read some of the questions we get into. But yeah, just hold hold your horses, everybody. This stuff gets freaking deep. It gets deep. That's all I can say. Uh, white Christians are nearly twice as likely as religiously unaffiliated whites to say the killings of black men by police are isolated incidents rather than part of a pattern of how police treat African Americans. 
White Christians are about 30 percentage points more likely to say monuments to Confederate soldiers are symbols of Southern pride rather than symbols of racism. White Christians are also about 20 percentage points more likely to disagree with the following statement. Generations of slavery and discrimination have created conditions that makes it difficult for blacks to work their way out of the lower class. Author Robert P. Jones. There we go. Uh, who's also associated with the uh, PRRI. No, he runs it. Uh, mm. Created a racism index that was generated using 15 questions designed to get beyond personal biases and include perceptions of structural injustice. So basically this is a racism test. <laughs> uh, white evangelical <laughs> Protestants had the highest median score on the racism index. All right, I wanna talk about this racism index. So the questions he's reading, those that is the racism index, and those are the questions. This is, and this was rebutted quite often. Go ahead. Oh, before you get into that, I wanted to talk about his his specific examples. And then you, I would love for you to read some of the questions that are on this quote unquote racism test. Fair enough. Okay, go for it. And that your part is like the when you pulled this stuff up, I was dying because so. Oh, y'all stick around. It's about to get good. But first, you have to go through me. <laughs> so uh, first off, he's like, yo, they're more likely to say it's an isolated incident. Did you know that like 15 people, tops, have been killed or shot by the police unarmed that were black in just like this last year? I think we're up to like wow. eight right now. I, actually, but it was like 15 or eight. 15 it was either year before or, or it, I, I, 15 was either 2020 I mean, 2019 or 2020. I can't remember which. It was like eight or – I'm doing this off the top of my head, but it's like eight to 15. Either way, pick 15. Let's go with the most liberal number. That's hardly being hunted down in the street. And that's Each one is got its own context, and maybe the police officer was wrong. But uh, we have to inspect each one of those. But even 15, you can't say it's this, this nationwide episode of crazy racism on how the police treat black people. Um, Clearly, one death is too many. Yeah, uh, no one wants anyone to die. These numbers are not reflecting the statements he's making. Exactly, and that's my problem. It's like it's this alarmism, and it's like, well, hold up. If you took the maximum of 15, 16, even if you took less than 30 or whatever, it's like you're still dealing with a small pocket of numbers, and then it's, okay, what happened in each scenario? First, we have to get the context. What was, you know, was the officer too aggressive? What, um, did, was the person drugged, as in the case of George Floyd? Um, was there other factors? You know, we just need to know the full context before we completely make a judgment call. That's not saying that we're trying to equivocate over those and saying those don't count. We're just saying the context always matters. Yeah. If you're going to make a, a very blanket statement that's racially charged like he's making right here you probably should at least examine the data a little bit and make sure that what you're saying has some factual basis uh, right and also you're going to convenient like for example last year like remember when that uh guy was running and then the people tried doing a, a citizen's arrest and the poor man got shot by these crazy good old boys who were chasing him down mm-hmm. <laughs> looking for a good time you know that whole thing everyone's like oh my gosh this is race-based i'm like i actually think you had some crazy florida good old boys who were just going being stupid really um yeah and but here's the thing 
When in that situation or, or these situations like that, they conveniently leave out. And, of course, this gets played in the news all week long. But there's people like Skyler and others who are white men who are killed in their sleep by police, too. Um, and nobody bats an eye. You don't even barely see it run as a story. Or that kid, that little boy who was shot and it was a black man who shot him. You don't hear that story perpetrated that much. Yeah. You know, where's the outrage? And it's like because the problem is, is when you're looking at things only as a skin, surface level situation, you're the racist. If all you see is a situation is he's black, he's white, you're the racist. Because me, I'm going, what's the situation that led up to it? Yeah. You know, when that when that black man shot that white boy, I was like, black bo- man shot white boy. I was going, why would an adult man shoot a child? That's what I'm thinking. You now, can have moral outrage despite what their their skin color exactly. Is. And I'm just saying as well the fact that like I'm not saying to be colorblind. Okay, my wife is Korean. Uh, I have white friends, black friends. I have all sorts of friends. Whatever, it doesn't matter. But what I'm saying is that skin. If we say skin color doesn't matter, then stop applying skin color as part as the factor of why an incident took place, unless there's evidence that skin was the de- deciding factor of the situation. Then he also mentions like. Uh, you know, we'll get into monuments here in a minute because I we have that's one of your things. But I just wanted to mention the fact that it's like, guys, you're looking at things purely on a surface level, and it's weird. It's it's funny that you'll notice in 2020 that every single incident that involved a horrible tra- tragedy of someone dying was politicized based on their race. And I find that incredibly insulting, as opposed to letting the facts speak for themselves. And then, if there's evidence that it was racism, then let's, then great, I will be behind you. If you found out that um, Derek Chauvin or whatever, Derek Chauvin, right, the guy with George Floyd, yeah, I think that's his yeah. Name. If you found evidence that man, yep, he was a Ku Klux Klan member and a secret white supremacist, look, man. All right, cool. Let's prosecute him, and especially for hate crimes and racism. You know, great. But let's not let's be careful not to sit there and just broad brush. Because actually, fun fact for you: black boys end up becoming police officers more than other demographics. They want to become police officers because they want to help. So it's like if you're going to label police, the police the, the legal system completely as racist, keep in mind who you might be including in that. Yeah, and it's not to say that there aren't definitely incidents of potentially racist motivated actions. I, we there are racist, racists out there. I've known racists. Mm-hmm. I, I came from the IFB. Believe me, racism is. There's parts of this where he's talking about like has a comfy home. Like yeah, racism has a fairly comfy home in certain sects of Christianity. Mormons literally believe that blackness was the mark of Cain. Like, wow. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, sure. There's a racist, but. To sit there and broad brush an entire group of people is absurd. So this racism index, I'm going to read a couple of questions from it, but I want you to just hear how these sentences are structured. And in my opinion, even the way that these are these are structured is is trying to find a biased answer. Oh yeah, it's, and it's a it's a false frame. They're framing it in a specific way. Anytime you're doing a survey of people and you're asking questions and you're drawing conclusions from their answers. The questions that are asked are incredibly important because you need to see how they're structured because, I don't know, you guys probably got a lot of political surveys uh, in 2020, at the end of 2020. I know I did. And you could definitely tell, you could definitely tell who was putting on the survey based on the questions that they were asking you. So just listen to this. Okay, so first question. Do you see monuments to Confederate soldiers more as symbols of Southern pride or more as symbols of racism? (laughs) 
the affirmative answer, if you answered the affirmative that it was pride, that was considered a racist answer for this racism index. Uh, fun fact, 42% of blacks answered this as pride or unsure. 42%? 42%, I guess, are racist. So 42% of blacks are racist against blacks, according to his own racism test. Yeah, I guess so. Um, next one, Irish, Italians, Jewish, and many other minorities overcame prejudice and worked their way up. Blacks should do the same without having any special favors. The affirmative answer to this would be considered racist. 66% of all respondents answered in the affirmative, regardless of race. So a few things there. It's like they almost don't understand the fact that why the like statues and monuments were built in the first place. Uh, Abraham yeah. Lincoln had them put up in many areas. Yeah, yeah. Abraham Lincoln was pushing um, healing in the country and was saying, yeah, let's build monuments to some of these these soldiers. I'm not saying that was right or wrong, but I'm saying the guy who was literally trying to end slavery was the one pushing for all these monuments that are now supposedly racist if you think that they should stay up. And, and my whole thing is this, like, whatever, statue is a statue. I think it's stupid to think that when you tear down a statue, you're somehow tearing down someone's ideology. It's dumb. It, it It's outright stupid. Like, I'm just going to call it what it is. That's, look, man... You could tear down a church doesn't mean I stop being a Christian. Mm -hmm. You know, like it doesn't destroy the ide ideology. You're just being like, rawr, I'm angry. But here's the other thing. Think about, I hate the idea of people recreating their own reality when there's reality. <laughs> so, you know, even if there was a Hitler statue in Germany, I wouldn't say to tear it down. You know what, actually, um, I, if there's all these statues of all these different t people, uh, good and bad, doesn't matter. You know, you could have a one up there of Rosa Parks. I'm, I'm walking down the in the park with my daughter, and she goes, "Daddy, who's that?" And I said, "That's Rosa Parks, honey." You know, she stood up for uh, her her rights as a human being, as a person created in the image of God. And I told her the whole story about the bus, and wow, that's so great, Dad. Yeah, isn't it great? Because my daughter is uh, mixed; she's Korean and German. Um, and so it's like, you know, isn't that great that people can sit up for that? And then also we're walking down the line and let's say somebody just happens to have a picture of Stalin or actually let's not pick some one of the stereotypes. Let's go with Karl Marx. Dad, who's that? Well, let me tell you about Karl Marx, honey, and his ideas. And here's the problem that people don't want to do. They don't want to stare down the void of history. They want to recreate it. They want to tear it down. They want to pretend it didn't happen, but that's not how you learn. How you learn is you, you confront the uncomfortable truths. You stare down the horrors of history and you learn from it. You go, that was evil. And I'm not going to pretend that never existed. I am going to acknowledge that existed and not, and I, I'll say this, not cooped up in a museum, mm -hmm. but why, but when societies have sinned, they need to be public about those sins. I, I think that's a beautiful, smart way of handling that. Yeah. And it's just because it allows kids to go, Oh, that's the person. Oh and, oh, and the reminder's there the entire time. Like, hey, you know that thought you just had? The conclusion is that guy. Do you want to be that guy? Yes or no? Yeah, I do. That's a great person. Okay, great. No? Okay, then don't do it. I think the point is, too, these questions do, have way too much nuance to be painting oh, them as, yeah, as sure. black and white. It's either Southern pride and you're racist or it's racist, as opposed to me. me my, I would just go, no, it's, it's a historical piece and it doesn't. It's an inanimate object. It doesn't mm -hmm. hold any sorts of moral value. Yeah. It's just, a, it's just an object. Another question they said is it, it's really a matter of some people not trying hard enough. 
If blacks would only try hard, they could do just as well off as whites. The affirmative answer there was racist. Fun fact, 42% of blacks who answered this question answered also in the affirmative. Are they racist? Are they somehow now white evangelicals, according to Rhett? I mean, this is just ridiculous. And the last one I wanted to bring up, this is, do you think recent killings of African-American men by police are isolated incidents, or are they part of a broader pattern of how police treat African-Americans? And this is the first stat he brought up. He was bringing up a stat of a specific question from this racism index. And if you said isolated, that was deemed a racist answer. Clearly, there is a lot of nuance to that one, too. Depends on how you're looking at it. Clearly, a lot of people do see some racism there. But I think it's not racist to say, I don't know if the data shows that. But I'm certainly seeing some incidents that look terrible. And you can say those incidents are terrible without necessarily saying that it was a racist action. We still don't even know necessarily if what that police officer did to George Floyd was racist in intent. It looked terrible. I'm going to be honest with you. uh, My wife and I, when we watched it, we were in tears. Because I was like, what is he doing? It just looked horrible. But we also only saw the end of that video. And he does this whole letter that he talks about later, months before the whole video is released. So... It, we can have moral outrage on something that happened and it not be racist and that still be valid moral outrage. And we can still say we can do better and we can still say that cop needs to be prosecuted if those actions were out of line. But it's not necessarily racist. And to have to answer this as a black and white binary question is just ridiculous. Well, yeah, because it's either saying it's like it's racist or it's not racist. And I'd agree that things are racist or not racist. But what you're accusing of something as racist isn't necessarily racist. Like the idea of Southern pride. These, I wonder if their heads would explode. I was living in Virginia once, and I straight up heard country music blasting from a rusty, trusty Ford F-150 from back in the day, you know, the box kind. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was driving down the road, two Confederate flags waving proud. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm in Virginia. And guess who was driving it? A shirtless black man. Not- you probably didn't know he's racist. Yeah, like it's just so ridiculous. Where it's like, well, and this goes back into watch my Black Lives Matter parts one through three um, that I have up. I talk about this. This just goes to tell you that it's not a race issue; it's a culture issue, and you're not understanding. Look, the Civil War had a lot of complexities to it. Slavery was a huge one, uh, but there's also economy, states' rights, and a forty thousand other things that were on the table that people were arguing about at the yeah. time. Like every social issue, the every country social was very issue divided at that point. What? The country is very divided at that point. Yeah. So it's, it's, I mean, to lead to a civil war, you're pretty divided, right? I yeah. mean, come on. So it, to pretend it's only racism is ridiculous. As Jones summarized, while most white Christians think of themselves as people who, warm, who have warm feelings toward African Americans, holding racist views is nonetheless positively and independently associated with white Christian identity. <laughs> That's the unbiased CEO of the I that don't, <laughs> having spent, most of my life in the white evangelical church, I don't need these stats, but you might need them in order to understand that racism stats. has a very comfortable home in the white evangelical church. Give me a break. Your evidence of this is from a clearly biased study. You guys just heard the questions. They don't sound like they're trying to find racists. They're trying to... Um, it's almost like Salem witch trials. They're trying to anoint racists. They're trying to uh, implicate people that aren't racist as racist. Also, notice how now here we gave examples of the actual questions uh, and what your only two responses could be to it, really. This entire video, he keeps saying 
racist, racism has a comfortable home, these racist ideologies. And he just speaks and just says racist, and he never defines what he means by it. Mm-hmm. And it's a pet peeve of mine because I'm like, what do you mean as racist? Because nowadays, racism means anything, right? I could go, you know, it. Uh, you know, for me, it's like I, I believe racism is me being prejudiced against somebody else because of the color of their skin or me believing my race is superior because of the color of their skin. That is, by dictionary definition, racism. Now, of course, now people go, oh, it's power on top of that. No, it's not. You're confusing oppression and racism. Oppression's different than racism. Mm-hmm. Um, but the issue is here is the is the vagary. And this is how people get people all the time. They speak convincingly, confidently, with empathy and love, and he even tears up here soon. And it's like, and then they say things like just racism, 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 and as they're blanket blanketing a particular person. And to those who are easily influenced, those who might not know better, it's so convincing. Like Rhett and Link. Like, like Rhett and Link. And it's just, you have to be so careful. And they have such a young audience. And I mean, I think this video of theirs alone, the last I checked, had 333,000 views, this particular one. And that was like a week ago. And they have a huge platform. It's probably doubled. I have no idea. But anyway, it's, it's bad. Today. And also, newsflash and people who know their history um, (laughs) know that this is. this is uh, this is not new, right? It isn't like 2020 made the church racist. The church has been, the white church has been, has held up racist ideas and defended racist ideas and perpetuated racist ideas for hundreds of years. The church, contra- oh now what gosh. we were told, what we grew up thinking is that, you know, the only reason that slavery ended was because of the Christian abolitionists. But what that fails to account for is the only reason that slavery continued for so long was the white Protestants who were justifying it and doing it. The only reason. <laughs> Do you want to shred that apart or am I? Go ahead, you can start. Okay, so first off, I want to point out the clear racism. And by the way, Rhett is a ardent racist. Read his letter to a white man. And to keep labeling people as white evangelicals, actually this bothers me when I hear Christians do it. Stop it. I never say black evangelicals. I never say white evangelicals. That's a stupid because you're labeling people by the color of their skin, not their ideology or their actions. It's dumb. If skin color plays no, no part in it, I should be able to recognize you as a black person, a white person, a yellow person, but not actually think that your color has anything to do with anything. Yep. You're, you might be part of a certain demographic that tends to have certain cultural values just because of geography alone or whatever, but that does not mean anything. Secondly, so this whole idea of white evangelicals, white evangelicals, it, I can only imagine if I was saying black evangelicals, black evangelicals, I would get called a racist so stinking fast. And uh, well, I already got called a racist here. So I, whatever. <laughs> I, apparently, even when I'm not a racist, I'm a racist. And when I act like a racist, I'm a racist. So what's the difference? Anyway, um, but the other thing here. Is he's talking about he's had a very comfortable home and oh, yeah, well, because of the, the white, uh, the white, um, abolitionists that's true and then you're like well these white people though who were defending it and all that yeah you know what you know what these white christians quote unquote had to do in order to you brought this up earlier yeah that you had to do in order to get their racism to work for slavery is they had to make what's called the slave bible they had to edit their own bible to be able to indoctrinate the slaves and to also preach from it. So it's like, all right, you have white quote unquote Christians defending it. And you have white quote unquote Christians 
trying to go for abolition. Same with Abraham Lincoln, which is why a lot of people oppose him in the South, because that was a clear thing that he was going to gun for when he got into office with slavery. So he had these two groups. They're both white. <laughs> now what do you do? Well, I'll tell you what. You know what separates them? Their ideologies, their thoughts. The power of ideology, Rhett. They have <laughs> they had different ideologies. Yeah. That's what it is. So it's not that they have a comfortable also this racist ideals have been per- perpetrated by the church. Are Dude, no. racism has been around by every single pe- people group ever. The Japanese hated the Chinese. There's various different European groups that hated each other. And it, it, yeah, racism has always been around. It's It's been a thing, but it's not been perpetuated by the church only. A lot of people in the church have always been against racism. And guess what else was against it? racism? Jesus, he went for the Samaritans, baby. And Jews didn't like the Samaritans. Yeah. Just saying. It's just stupid. It's all wrong. It, wrong! It's all wrong! And to say that like slavery was continuing only because of white Protestants were justifying it and doing it is just is just ridiculous. It is a it is a whitewashing of history. Literally, um, that was not true. There was a lot of different groups that were pro slavery because it was very economically feasible. Hey, it sounds pretty nice if you're just owning people because now you can have a lot more labor force at the lowest possible cost and not treat people well. Yeah, that's that sounds pretty good to the the ardent capitalist who doesn't care about anything else. But come on, that that obviously was held by more than just white evangelicals. Oh yeah, well, give people, me a break. And people also ignore the fact that like white people were slaves in, in like North Africa between the 16th and 18th centuries. Um, in in America, the Chinese who built the railroads. Oh, yeah. we don't talk about their oppression. I wonder why. Oh, probably because now that they're in the highest economic bracket, just due to their cultural values as a hard like that's a cultural value of the Chinese is yeah. you are not valuable to me unless you actually show you're valuable to me. So they call us pet capitalist pigs. <laughs> um, and then also, what about the Irish? Andrew's from Ireland. Our, our good friend Andrew. He he and you hear about how the Irish retreated over here. And you go to, and also the term kidnapping, look up where that came from. It came because of Middle Eastern and African slave traders going up to Europe and going up to the beaches and snatching women and children for the sex trade. Then they were kidnapped. Yeah. Like, look up this stuff. You act like only one people group has ever been oppressed. And every bit of oppression is evil and horrible and wrong. But just let's stop with this whole like, oh, yeah, so we've got a very comfortable place here. No, it's been comfortable throughout the world, and people have been fighting to eradicate it as well. And the Christians have been an ample part of that fight. And there are small groups today, small groups of people today that would, that preach otherwise. But otherwise, it's a stupid. Anyway, down the rabbit hole we go. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not only that, not only were they instrumental in the justification of slavery, the church was instrumental in the justification of segregation that followed slavery. And Sunday morning remains the most segregated time of the entire week. So segregation is bad, right? That's what you just said. You agree with that? I agree with that. Okay, great. Then why is it that the progressive left and all the people in like in places like LA and Hollywood are now like pushing for segregation? Columbia is literally having a segregated graduation this year based on race and economic status. Williams College literally now has uh, segregated dorms. And remember, it's all because we're here to support the, you know, the equality of the black person. By segregating them, it's either we're all equal or we're not. 
Could we blame this on white evangelicals too? Because there are some white progressive Christians that are pushing this. Does that count? Is that is that perpetuating that the church always being for for racism? Give me a break, Rhett. Yeah, and also, like again, uh, do you know why Sunday morning is the most segregated day? It's almost like people groups reproduce with people groups that they live by. And those people groups grow in those areas geographically, and then they all go to church with each other because they're all part of that same people group in a large geographical area. So therefore, I live where I live. You know this. Actually, all most of my, most of my neighbor, uh, my neighbors on both sides of me, I know are black. One of them is straight up from Africa. And it's like, you know what? I live in a very large black and Hispanic area. Guess what? A lot of the black and Hispanics go to the same churches. You know why? Because a lot of them are right here. You know, you go south where you live, um, it's mostly a white Dutch area. Mm-hmm. So guess what, Brian? There's a lot of white people in that church, too. Do you think it's because of skin color? I don't think they're segregating just because of skin color. I think they're <laughs> doing it because that's who they live by. <laughs> exactly. Like, I have, I've been to black churches. I don't feel out of place at a black church, quote unquote. You know, we use yeah. that phrase, but like, it's like, no, I walk in and yeah, I'm like one of the only white dudes there. Well, you can pick us out real easy when you're like, that's the thing. I stick out like a yeah. sore thumb, but I wasn't like, oh my goodness, I am out of place because of segregation. I was just going, oh, hey guys, what's up? Like, they're all worshiping Jesus, same as me. This would, this would be like calling Rhett and Link racist because they're only these two white guys on this channel. This is 100% white. Yes, it's a white channel. It's white supremacy. They're oppressing, you know, people of color. They're they're oppressing my wife upstairs because of their whiteness. It's so dumb when you when your identity is only and your skin color. It's it's it leads you to a really unhappy place. In America, twenty twenty just pulled the curtain back. Twenty twenty just pulled the curtain back on something that lots of people have known for a long time. I will say. You know, you you kind of alluded to it. I'll just say, you know, I'll refer to your Medium article, Letter to a White Man, because that's where you explored your own experience and you wrote the letter to your former self. I think that, uh, again, you made a statement earlier that like, if given, given my experience and your experience growing up when we did where we did, including in the church, but just, when and where we did in general as as white guys um yeah i know a lot of i it, this rings true for me from personal experience from anecdote anyway uh one a quote from it is, his letter is you're probably tempted to just tune all this out turn off the news log off twitter our nation is a mess and it would be easier to ignore it all the fact that you can entertain taking a break from thinking about all this is a testament to your whiteness you really don't have anything at stake, regardless of the outcome of these protests. You know your life will remain the same. What's the worst that could happen? Maybe your favorite restaurant will be destroyed by a fire. There are always other restaurants, but there's the but here, here's the thing. If nothing changes, the lives of black Americans will remain the same as well. Okay, um, speak, I am literally the only white guy at my work. And look, all right, you speak anecdotally, let me speak anecdotally. I was told by the people at my work that these riots were merely an excuse to steal a TV. That was a statement from black people. They must be racist. They must be racist, white supremacists too. And then also, you know what's funny is uh, because I do a lot of customer interaction. I heard, and I live in a primarily black area. Uh, A lot of black people would come in and you know, I'd hear a lot of them go, 
you know what? Black Lives Matter. It's time we stop all this oppression. And I, you know, kindly keep to my job. And I hear other black people come in. And you know what they say? This Black Lives Matter is ridiculous. Nobody's hunting us down the streets. You obey the law and you don't have problems. You avoid the cops. You don't get the cops. You know, if you don't like this, da-da-da. We do need to talk about proper police training. But man, this Black Lives Matter, time to burn down my city. You know, my friend lost their business. Blah, blah, blah. And you know what's funny? Is I heard two different ideologies there. Almost like black people are not monolithic. Black people are not monolithic. They're like us. We have different thoughts and different ideologies. Stop sitting there being like, oh, well, you don't really care about black people because all black people agree with me and I'm speaking on behalf of black people. Your kind of racism is the worst kind of racism because it's the racism that says I am helping people with my racism and I only see things through a race lens. And therefore, these black people can't really help themselves. They're not capable of helping themselves. In fact, we have to just keep reaching our white savior hands down to these black people and make these other white people realize that's how racist they are when not all black people even agree with you because they're not monolithic. They're people. They're people. They're not some group of borgs that all think the same. Yeah. It, it's so – it's – honestly, when I hear this stuff, I get so infuriated. And I ha- and it's one of the few things that get an emotional reaction from me. It's just like, no, this angers me because you're telling my friends – that they are racist because they believe in the same ideologies as me when they are – and you're preaching down on white people when I know black people who are thinking the same way as I'm thinking because it's about ideas. Yeah. Racism is an idea. Truth transcends skin color. <sighs> it really does. so bad. And I think we're going to put the link to this Medium article because it is – it's absolute garbage. But the other thing I want you to – I want you all to read it. And when you read it, I want you to think about does this sound like – ideology does this sound like he's regurgitating ideology does, does this this whole letter sound like a specific political ideology that's promulgated right now in certain circles and and then think did he just come up with this on his own was this just him going oh i guess i was racist all my life and now i finally know um or is he just repeating what he's being told? Is he trying to sound smart? Is he trying to kowtow to some woke ideology so that he can be accepted and and have this essential racist race race apologist stance? And that's um, actually something too here. This is why they're entertainers. Let's just be real here. They're they're mm-hmm. they're entertainers. That's what their job is. They're not they're not in the news cycle. They're not scholars they're not intellectuals what we would consider that you know that's not their point that's not their so that's what's irritating me whenever someone from the entertainment industry in general every time they try to speak on this sort of thing theology sociology so, you know there very few things actually work mm-hmm. and uh you know being close to it to the point where i i person i personally am sorry hmm. for being so close to it and unwittingly involved many times, more than I even care to reflect or completely understand. Remember, they haven't defined their terms yet. Um, (laughs) But I talk to my kids about it, you know? Yeah. Um, So just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, this rings true from from my personal experience. And and the reason this is such a tricky thing um, is because as as a white Christian, I didn't, I didn't think that I had racist ideas. In <laughs> fact, I felt I, I had been inoculated to racist ideas because I believed in a gospel 
That was for everyone. There was no slave. There was no free person. There was no man, no woman. There was no race. The gospel, it doesn't discriminate. And I thought that because that was true, therefore racism can't really exist. But what I failed to see until I left was that so many racist, racist ideas were not being challenged and actually were being perpetuated within our church in ways that we were blind to. He's saying, we didn't think we were racist. We believed the gospel was for everyone. That certainly doesn't sound like a racist idea. I agree. So what exactly do you think was racist? Well, if you read his his little letter, he says, by focusing first on judging the nature of a protest rather than truly considering its purpose, you are invalidating that long history of injustice. And as a result, you are becoming part of that injustice. So he's saying, if you're not focusing on it and focusing specifically on this first thing that I think you should focus on, therefore you are perpetuating injustice. You are being part of this pro-racist movement. Um, so like, let me just ask you, Rhett, the Capitol riot, January 6th. Did you look at that and, and, and truly think about its purpose? Did you truly think about the history of the people that were there? Or did you condemn it because it was violent? Because according to you, it's racist if you don't truly understand the purpose of a violent riot first. Or is it really just convenient when it, when it makes sense and allows you to push some ideology that you have now uh, succumbed to? The power of ideology. And also keep in mind, the gospel, that is the best part about the gospel. The gospel transcends race and creed and culture. It's how to be in communion with God and be saved. Like, that's so awesome. And that's not a racist ideology. And just for him to be like, we are so close to it. I'm like, you're so close what? To, to, an, a, to an ideology that says all those things don't matter but Jesus Christ? Like, did you – it's like I hear this. I'm like, I believe that you were genuine back in the day. But then I hear this kind of language. I'm like, did you get it at all? Like, and then it's like, I, I don't know. I have such a conflict when it comes to that. I'm like, it sounds like you don't really – you didn't really get it or you're just now trying to mischaracterize it. Yeah. It may be a mixture of both. Um, but when it comes – we come back to 2020. As opposed to being on the front lines of calling for racial justice in America, white evangelicals reliably deny or minimize systemic racism. And, and they also point out the problems with racial justice, uh, racial justice protests rather than acknowledging the problems that are being protested. So it's racist to deny or minimize some, an idea that you don't agree with. Yeah, I look at data and when I look at the data, I don't see this racist problem perpetuated in in the numbers. I came to a different conclusion. That's not racism. Well, again, watch parts one through three of my BLM uh, series. And then also, uh, you know, what, are you going to seriously call Larry Elder a racist? He's a black lawyer. And he says the systematic racist thing is garbage. And let me tell you why. In fact, you see, a, you see a liberal literally get red-pilled. Like, you see someone who's, like, hard into that. You see great Dave Rubin completely go and he's uh, he's a gay married man like, like in la in la like getting wrecked by larry elder and like he changes sides later on and he yeah. he uh, has larry elder on it's really funny later on it goes yeah you committed a hate crime on me on camera <laughs> because like okay that then you have thomas soul you have these other black people who just disagree we look at the data and we go okay what do you mean by systematic racism okay the data doesn't seem to reflect that and also then show me something in the system a law which would make it systematic 
that is racist. I will tell you the only ones you can find are things that uh, like um, getting into colleges, right? If I go into Harvard, I as a white person will be docked certain points. My daughter who is Asian will be docked certain points and black people will be juiced some points as if people think that because based on the color of your skin that you need to be given either helping hand or a handicap, which is just, it's yeah. not performance space. It's that white savior complex again. Right. Yep. And I think it's interesting if, if you really consider these people that are, are saying these things. Um, I just want to ask you, Red, like, do you really think that these are, these are racist ideas? Like, is it, is it truly your perspective that if I don't just, if I don't agree with what you say, and I don't even agree with what you say in the right order of importance, then I'm racist. Is that really the truth you're trying to propose? Sure signs sounds like a very powerful ideology you're adhering to and not necessarily truth. And it's a convenient ideology because it means you don't have to listen to anybody because they're horrible, ardent racist. So that's what it is. It's just a it's just a way to delegitimize someone's position, and especially right now, the church. You're attacking the church for it. So I want to make that clear here as well. Right? What and no. this is what I talked about in my letter to a white man. What does the typical uh, white Christian, white evangelical Christian say about the protests? Ah, violence is never the answer. That's that, right. That's the first thing, and a lot of times the only thing they say. But okay, yeah, violence is not good. We don't want violence. Violence is not productive most of the time. But what are people upset about? Can we talk about that? No. Well, that's well because that doesn't exist. That's what we heard from again. If you're a white evangelical and you're like, well, I don't believe Strong that. Alert, by the way. Well, a lot of people you go to church with do. Mm -mm. No, 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 no. Straw man and misrepresentation. No, they don't. I don't know a single person that said George, that the killing of George Floyd was okay. Name one. I'll wait. You know? Yeah. It was almost uniform, like, this is terrible. Yeah, like, everyone's like, oh, gosh, that's awful. But then the idea of, no, no, this is systematic. Everyone's involved in it. The police are hunting people. Like, get out. No, it's, but then there's this other level that we disagree with. And, uh, I, like, and yes, violence is bad. You want me to get behind you? Don't burn my downtown, uh, the downtown of my city down. I can't get behind that because you're now committing more injustice on top of injustice. Proverbs 1 tells Christians very clearly to stay away from any sort of people who are trying to shed innocent blood. And, you know, uh, I said this before. I'll take Black Lives Matter seriously. When Black Lives Matter start matting to Black Lives Matter, 45 black men were killed the weekend of these protests. 45. I look back to the first COVID protest in Michigan where they're protesting the lockdown and it was essentially a, a protest in vehicles and they gridlocked the city of Lansing and people were condemning them for blocking the entrance to the hospital. And like, I don't care what you guys are for. This is unacceptable. You can't block entrance to the hospital. Then you see pictures and oh yeah, they completely left the hospital entrances open <laughs> because they were prepared for that and they wanted to make sure that they weren't uh, uh, hurting the flow of patients to the hospital. But was that racist? Was all the 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 pro-COVID lockdown people being racist and not understanding the reason for the protest because 
they wanted to mischaracterize it. I mean, they even mischaracterized it. It wasn't violence. They were just saying that they weren't accessing the hospital. I, I've actually met a black man, actually a few, but I've met a black man who was very open about how he was very anti-lockdown and also very anti-police officer. He was like hardcore libertarian. <laughs> he hated anything the government had its fingers on. So I just, again, they're not black people aren't monolithic. His, his political ideology wasn't dictated by the melanin in his skin. Weird, right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> He must not live in L.A. Now, the other thing to think about, you're, you're telling everyone here that, oh, even if you don't think you're racist, <laughs> that schlub next to you at church definitely is. How do you know? How do you, you're not even, you're talking about hypothetical people that you're basing your opinion on them based on how you thought you were racist in the past. Good night. Give me a break. The, the, you're just using some crazy racism index to try to prove this. And we've already shown you that the guy that was running that, that crazy study was clearly biased and against white evangelicals. So if that's the basis for your belief and that's what convinced you that you're, you were racist in the past, I think you need a little bit more research. I've said this a hundred times. Whoever brings up race first to delegitimize someone else's position is the racist. Evangelicals have been on the wrong side of the fight against racial injustice. Okay, what about COVID? Let's talk about COVID. <laughs> Let me just oh, stop yes, and acknowledge lots. that. For many of you who are already down the rabbit hole, uh, who have, who subscribe to a, uh, a Christian nationalism <laughs> and have mixed, you know, Trumpism and Jesusism together. Jesusism? Uh, nothing that I say is going to be compelling. In fact, and everything that I say is going to just confirm to you that I have completely departed from the truth the and now live in a world of lies. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the person who sits next to you in church. It's funny, in the comment section of this, they were like, oh, the person who sits next to you in church who knows better. Uh, they're like, that's such a mic drop. No, it's not. It's just good rhetoric tops. Um, got, Yes, Christian nationalists exist. I've met them. I've interacted with them. They're annoying. But to sit there and say the fact that somebody who was anti these things with COVID is because they're mixing Trumpism and Jesusism is just a complete false dichotomy and, again, another misrepresentation. And a straw man. COVID. Despite clear evidence showing that mask wearing helps slow the spread of COVID, White evangelicals are the group least likely to wear a mask in public. <laughs> you go ahead and take that one, Brian. All right. This was filmed early 2021. They are in California, which is under lockdown. They are not in the same household. They are sitting within six feet of each other, and they are maskless. This is a perfect example of what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 7. The plank is in their eye, and the speck is in the, the eye of all the white evangelicals that they're mad about for not wearing masks. Practice what you preach, bro. Where are your masks? Where are they? It's you don't seem to be... a selfless act, as you say later. It's just, and it's one of these where it's like, wow, our way of morally gauging somebody is whether or not they slap a thing over their face. Do you know why white evangelicals, quote unquote white, do you know why evangelicals were saying, a lot of Christians were saying not to wear that? First off, we have better data. Um, <laughs> um, the second thing is, is the fact of like, it was more of the government's role. It was really that question of like, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. If we start letting them say that, how to run our church, where do we draw that line? Yeah, what they're doing right now, sitting next to each other, and they're not in the same household without masks on. It was illegal in our state of Michigan for mm -hmm. months. 
$1,000 fine misdemeanor for doing what they're doing right now. And, and now they're looking down their nose at people that were bucking that. Uh, clearly, you agree with them. Yeah, exactly. This and is what we, looks, what unright or what a hypocritical judgment looks like. Yeah, like that. Yeah, so true. Also, during the lockdown, everything was inconsistent with the government, and more people were being oppressed by the government. And the Bible told me to stand up for the oppressed. And when you'll be like, well, what do you mean? Uh, the fact that places went out of business. There are places I will never walk into again now because of that. And so, and people who don't have income now because of that. So, before we sit there and point fingers at like evangelicals had this evil, nefarious like Trumpism, keep in mind the fact that what ticked me off during that was seeing how many people were losing their livelihoods over arbitrary lines and and things like that also the whole idea of my body my choice with masks was like okay but uh, we get to make the the whole thing yeah. was can we open a conversation of being able to have a decision made personally can i make that decision myself i was never that's all that was being said but anyway, masks is hardly the thing I really care about in this. I don't care. You want to wear one all the time? You wear one all the time. I, whatever. Least likely. If you who throw a dart at a demographic in America, who's least likely to wear a mask? White evangelicals. And that apparently. Although the COVID mortality numbers are within the range predicted by scientists at the start of the pandemic, no. Hospitals have been, as predicted, overwhelmed no. in many parts of the no, country. No, they weren't. White evangelicals are the most likely demographic to deny the seriousness no. of the pandemic. What a great example of confirmation bias. White evangelicals are also much more likely than the average American to question the efficacy of vaccination in general and more likely to believe false information about the COVID vaccine. I'm sorry, but the, the current vice president said that she would not get a vaccine if it was being pushed by President Trump. Yep. The the anti-vax stuff was coming very much from the progressive left well before uh, the conservative right also jumped on board. Also, yeah, some evangelicals don't like Christians, don't like vaccines. I know a lot of hippies, and I actually literally know a person who identifies as a pagan that hates the idea of vaccines. Whatever, dude. That's And again, it's like, what does that have to do with anything? Yeah. Like someone not wanting to vaccinate themselves. Again, my body, my choice. I, I'd love to talk to them about abortion. I'd be my, my, one of my favorite things. Like, okay, okay, great, great, great. So you believe that all these things should be dictated. Why? Because uh, the collective, he actually literally says that these people are more uh, involved in their individual rights than they are the collective. I'd be very curious then to be like, okay, great. What about the collective of unborn babies? I'd just love to hit them with that. Formal uh, invite, Rhett, to come on our channel and talk about abortion. Yeah, please Guys, do. if you know them, go ahead and tag them in this part. All this is added up to being one of the key reasons that America has has such has had such a tough time with COVID. In short, <laughs> white evangelicals have been on the wrong side of the fight against COVID. I don't wanna get into too many more details. I'm not trying to give you evidence and argue if you don't believe, if you don't believe that COVID's a, a, a real deal and you don't believe- You don't agree with my ideology. This is what, uh, this is what is born out in America. So in summary, uh, white evangelicals largely, not all, again, not all, but Not largely, and more than anyone else, uh, represent an intersection of science denialism and racist ideas that have made them an impediment in the fight against both COVID and racial injustice. And instead of worrying about the poor and the black and the brown. Yeah, this is when he breaks down. I think this just shows the power of ideology. He really does. Who are more this. likely to suffer from both the pandemic and racial injustice. White evangelicals have been preoccupied with their own personal freedoms, spending more time and energy talking about their own persecution rather than those actually being persecuted. False. 
claims on you first. You, I mean, the, the burden of proof. You made the claim that, that there is no evidence that shows the fact that this racial injustice is a constant issue. And before you start being, oh, you know, crime statistics this and then jail statistics that, you should really look a little bit deeper at those numbers and why those numbers are the way that they are. That's all I'm going to say on that. We don't have time to dig into it. And I think it's good to remember that the people that were are arguing for personal freedoms are arguing for the personal freedoms of the entire country. That's mm -hmm. not just for themselves. They are arguing just as much for mosques to stay open as they are for churches. They are saying that the government does not have the right to do what they're doing. They do not have the constitutional authority. They don't have any delegated authority for the governors to be doing these things. That's what they're arguing against. They're saying this is not right for me and for all the other people that you are restricting. You don't have the authority to do so. And when someone is claiming that they're infringing on freedoms, it isn't uh, it isn't something that's personal. It's a collective thing they're talking about. You're infringing on all of our freedoms. And that's why there's been so much uproar over it. Also, brown people, real quick, brown people tend to suffer from the pandemic more. And it could be because there, there's actually been a question that people have been wondering. Like, why is it? that people of color tend to be hit harder with COVID and stuff. People have wondered if it's blood types. The people have wondered if it's because these people live in bigger cities or city areas and therefore it spreads easier. It doesn't matter. It, it, it matters, but it's not the point. The point here is the fact that's like, you are saying somehow the fact that Christians aren't worried about that. No, every Christian I know has not tried to downplay the fact COVID's real. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, no, COVID's a real thing. The question is, is how do we handle this? That's where the controversy has been up front. You have one people going, okay, complete lockdown, shut everything down. And then you have the other people going, yeah, but where do we draw the line? And how do these people make a living? And how do we care for one another and do this properly? And then it says, instead of caring about the poor and the marginalized. Uh, by the way, I never stopped giving to my ministries during this time. Did you? Nope. Weird. So again, I, straw man, but I'm going to let that go. We're good. We're good. I just had to get that out. I, I, I don't. I'm not exactly sure why I get emotional about it, but I think it's ideology. That's why ideology. I was such a part of it for so long. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of getting people COVID. Yeah. I just. I can <laughs> think on. of. I can see myself there, and so I don't. It. It. Uh, it hurts, and it's 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 embarrassing. Yeah. There's a lot of shame. Uh, yeah. Well, stop and projecting, it, please. Yeah, and it's, yeah, and it's just not. Oh, look at how good, look at how righteous we are now. Look at how woke we are now. I, it's just not. That I is mean, what you're like, doing because I'm not thinking about. I, when meanwhile, you say that, I end up thinking about. Meanwhile, you're morally plateauing. And again, uh, just to make clear, we had the two points here. I wanted to read them specifically because I'm not sure if we were clear before. There was two types of people during the COVID crisis. Those who believe getting it is inevitable and the government restrictions will be powerless to prevent it. Thus, you're hurting people unnecessarily with their businesses and their work. Um, and there's the second group of people which believe that if we all 100% adhere to the government restrictions, we could prevent a, a, us and others from getting it or at least the majority of the spread. That That's it. I wanted to clarify that because I wasn't sure if we were clear. Yeah. They both have some element of... They do. There is some truth. element of truth in both. If if everyone 100% went into lockdown and didn't leave their houses for anything and Amazon stopped bringing you your toilet paper, then there's probably a chance that we could have actually stopped it in its tracks. But 
this is a fundamental perspective of Christians that we don't expect people will follow the law. We expect that we all have a natural tendency both towards good but also towards evil. And we have we know that people are are ardently individualistic in many ways, and we also know that just logistically that just can't happen. So the people that were saying, I'm going to get it anyways, I guess I'll deal with it, they were right, and a lot of them did. And the vast, and I mean the vast majority of them, were perfectly fine. They got sick, and then they got healthy again. So, And we also found that government policies in specific instances made it way worse. We're here in Michigan. Our governor put COVID-positive patients from hospitals as preventative overflow measures into nursing homes with the demographics that were the most vulnerable in an attempt to make the hospital numbers look better. That is that's just why you saw people that were against these government lockdowns, and these government policies, because some of them were absolutely terrible. And there are some in New York and Michigan that directly led to deaths. And we don't even know how many yet because they, they're hiding those numbers. We don't know. We don't know. But, of course, they're at least not racist, I guess. I'm talking and, to myself. Yeah, and it's... So um, you're projecting. Yeah. But... Perhaps the single issue that best captures white evangelicals' dubious relationship with truth and justice is their overwhelming allegiance to Donald Trump. Of course. Do I want to talk about Donald Trump? You no, do, actually. I do not. I'm so glad that I do not have to see him in the news cycle. You probably don't. You don't have to see him in the news cycle. Meanwhile, he's not been in office for how long now? And CNN uh, today on March 20th at around 10 a.m. Eastern, uh, Trump's gold-plated 757 remains parked at a sleepy airport. Its return to the skies could cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> They're still reporting on him, so sorry, he's still in the news cycle. Uh, they just they, they ignore important stuff to keep ha- beating their ideology. <laughs> the power of ideology, right? Mm, keep going. I just wanted to bring that up. I saw that pop in on, and today, and I thought that was hilarious because I was thinking about that very statement. I don't want to talk about him either. But but here you are anyways. We can't talk about 2020. We can't talk about white evangelicals. We can't talk about the last four years without talking about Donald Trump. By far, the most reliably supportive group for Donald Trump, Donald Trump, holding steadily at around eight out of 10. Eight out of 10, that's a lot. You tell me there's an eight out of 10 chance it's gonna rain today, I'm like, I'm bringing my umbrella. Eight out of 10 of white evangelicals supported Donald Trump. Both times around, 2016 and 2020. And I can think of few people, not just presidents, but just few people in general who are less Christ-like than Donald Trump. I mean, I, okay, right? Not, a, not, this isn't, I'm not being far-fetched. Yeah, he, no. he has enjoyed more evangelical support than even George W. Bush, who was actually an evangelical. And also terrible. <laughs> right? And let me just say, again, I, I, I hesitated putting this in there, but listen, I'm no longer a part of the church, but things could have fallen different, a little bit different, and I could, I could, have, I could still be in the church, right? What? If, if the multi-world th- theory of you know, the parallel universe is true, there's, there's billions of rets that are still in the church. <laughs> Let me tell you what those billions of rats are saying right now. Well, you're annoying them, that's for sure. 
<laughs> well, no. The ret that is out there in a parallel universe who is still in the evangelical church would not have gone along with this Donald Trump. I can tell you that right now. Wow, so And work. I lost so much respect for so many people who did. How do you lose respect for somebody who disagrees with you politically when our political system's so jacked up? Yeah. I know, I have friends of mine who voted for Joe Biden and I never lost respect for them. I still love them as individuals. They felt like there was a moral conundrum there. Because you know what? They're still image bearers of Christ. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's so that's so absurd. But I could definitely say also, since when were elections Christ-like competitions? Apparently now. Uh, here's the thing. Newsflash to uh, and maybe some of you Christians need to hear this. If you have, you know, you actually do fit the bill of confusing Jesusism with nationalism to use Brett's language. <laughs> that's not what an election is. We don't get, you know, name me a super godly politician, okay? You're not, it's going to be really hard to find them. Um, it's going to be tough, okay? The whole point of an election is for me to elect somebody to for a job. It's basically hiring somebody. We're voting on who we hire to do a job such as running this country. Well, whoever is in power, therefore, there are legal repercussions that can happen that can trickle down. I've said before many times. Donald Trump is not a moral individual. I don't think any of us, anyone, even any white evangelical, he gets to this in a second, goes, yeah, he has a moral man. No. The whole yeah. thing was, okay, when you go to someone like Hillary who says that unborn children literally have no constitutional rights, or you go to the recent election, Kamala Harris literally voted for infanticide. If, if there was an unsuccessful abortion and the child was born, they she voted in the affirmative that you could kill the baby post-birth, which all abortion is evil. All ab abortion is murdering yes. a child. But you, when you are taking that, it's like, no, no, look, guys, even in your own weird wokeism, a lot of people say the magical birth canal gives personhood. Even in yours, she was okay with murdering that child. Mm -hmm. And okay, yeah, Trump has done you know many sexually immoral acts. But holy crap, at least he's not trying to pass legislation that's going to murder more babies than we already have. That is just one of many examples. Also, people are going like this. Look, I don't care who's in office as long as my, I keep my job and my pay. And the moment – and people knew that, okay, and Trump was good for the economy. That is an objective fact, okay? Mm -hmm. Whether you like him or not, he was great for the economy, which means people were able to care for their family and their own. So people are going, okay, that's why you hear Christians talk about all the time. Whenever elections come up, you're going, all right, pick the poison. Which one are we doing? Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, this immoral person or that immoral person. Then it does, so it doesn't, it turns into instead of going, okay, instead of which moral person, which was more moral, it turns into which one's going to hurt people the most. Okay, this was going to hurt people the least because this person's not going to vote for infanticide. Cool, let's get them in there because I don't want more babies being murdered. Yeah. That's why. So he strawmans it really hard here, but you have to consider why we are doing this. Why, why are evangelicals more likely to support Trump? than Joe Biden or Kamala. Also, the left has gone, I mean, the Pope speaks out against homosexual, homosexual marriage, and you have Joe Biden who goes, nope, I still affirm it. It's like, you, okay, all of your things that you are for are directly against my Christian faith. And then the moment oh, Biden's now in office, what do we have? The Equality Act. I am a minister, which means the fact that two, a, a, a gay couple could come right up to me and demand that I marry them and I decline it and then they could sue me 
possibly, or I could even get all sorts of legal repercussions in all actuality for discrimination. When it really, I'm just exercising my, my, you know, my faith. And, and that's the thing is that we're just going, guys, look, I have no problem with what you're doing. You do what you do. I'll, I can, I'll, I'll reason with you. We can even argue about it. We can scream at each other about it, but I'm not removing your rights. Yeah. And don't you remove mine. And then we can only then can we live in tolerance with one another. But at the moment you start legislating over, and that's what people were scared of. And now we're seeing more and more of it happening. So I'm just saying, that's why, sorry about the long tangent, but I felt like that needed to be fleshed out before he started going on more. Yeah, ridiculous it's just things. ridiculous. You're losing respect for people just because of who they voted for. Exactly. There was two choices. Come on. Now, for me, the most personally disturbing thing is the way that Christian talked about this before Christian nationalism and, and Trumpism have kind of combined to create something that carries the name of Jesus. I agree. That's that's literally, if you look at the Capitol protest, some, you see there are some like there's that. Trump 2020 flags and literally Jesus 2020 flags. I don't think he was running for president, but you, there's a flag that says Jesus 2020 right next to a Trump 2020 Agreed, flag. That's stupid. Yep. Not uncommon at all to see that. But they've combined to create something that carries that name of Jesus, but looks nothing like the Jesus that I I've seen in the Bible. Um, journalist Carol uh, Kuruvia did a good job of contrasting the words of Jesus with those of Donald Trump. So I'm gonna do that just quickly, just I th take this in. Wait, so suddenly we're taking Jesus seriously? Thought you didn't take Jesus seriously. Thought you were no longer a Christian, he was a fraud. Because if you're going to use Jesus's words, then you're going to use his words of what he claimed about himself. I and the Father are one. If you've know, seen me, you've seen the Father. No one comes to the Father but by me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. But now you're going to try to weaponize words of Jesus against Christians when you have said yourself that it is religious propaganda. That is what you said in your in your episode a year ago. Just saying. Yeah, we had Liz Jackson on. She talked about philosophers like to put on um, different ideas as a pair of pants. Let's put on Rhett's perspective for a minute and see if that makes sense. So his perspective of Jesus is that he's some guy that says he's God, claims to be the Messiah, walks around with the entire group of people that that dote on him and and think he's God and he does a whole bunch of magic tricks to fool people into thinking he's God and then he dies doesn't come back to life and he has a whole bunch of fanatical followers that decide to use that as proof that he's still God like that is technically Rhett's perspective yep. on Jesus Which would make Jesus a horribly immoral person he would be terrible <laughs> So the only reason that that just doesn't make sense that you're bringing this up here is because, and I know you're trying to show that Christians are being hypocritical and illogical, but your perspective on Jesus and then using Jesus's words as somehow moral and good is hypocritical of you too. Jesus said, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you. Donald like Trump right. said, when people wrong you, go after those people because it is a good feeling and because other people will see you doing it. I always get even. Jesus said, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you. When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the one of the least, 
whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Donald Trump said, I'm putting people on notice that are coming from Syria as part of this mass migration that if I win, they're going back. I could go on about other things he said that would contrast with that, but. Few things. Jesus said. Uh, love your enemies. Uh, would that include uh, burning down cities because someone else was killed by a police officer? Yeah, he was just calling Christians racists for loving their enemies. You know, are you loving your enemies? I just find, I'm just curious because it sounds like you really hate white evangelicals and you're making them your enemies. So I'm curious how much you're living to those same words that you're trying to hold down, Christians to. I'm just curious. Um, also, uh, this whole uh, the whole thing with like, oh, Jesus, send them back, whatever, and using Jesus' words or whatever you do, the least of these. Um, the point, oh, there's a few things here. Do you want to quickly, let's Go ahead. We breeze over that real quick. Um, first off, a country only has so many resources. And I know America has a lot. But the thing is, is the fact that people can't just come in because we have to vet them. We have to check them. We have to know what's going on. And we can't just take everyone who wants to come in. Otherwise, we don't have a country. Which Biden is doing right now. Exactly. <laughs> Biden, there's more people. There's such an influx at the border. More people now in cages, quote unquote, now than there ever was before. But now people are conveniently ignoring that fact. Um, because, again, Trump wasn't the one who put people in cages. That was, uh, that was policy enacted years before. He's going to bring up the kids in cages here in a minute. Yeah. Um, and so the thing is, is Israel. Israel did not just let anyone waltz in. You had to assimilate to Israel. You had to become a Jew to be part of Israel. That was why God had, had it done because, again, otherwise you're mixing things up so bad that it gets horrible. Also, they, uh, they, were, they built up a wall and everything so that people couldn't just waltz in. Uh, that, that's the whole story of Nehemiah. This was to protect people, protect the citizens within from those from without. And if you're going to come in, there are requirements to come in. And this is basically, what is a nation without its borders? And that's kind of the thing. It's like, yeah, I'm not saying, you know, we should send everyone back who's ever been from somewhere else. Otherwise, no one would ever live in any country that they live in now. Actually, very few people, because most people live on conquered land, whether people want to admit that nowadays or not. But the point is, is that that you're, you're kind of missing some context there. And again, you're kind of, it's this false dichotomy of like Trump. If you support Trump, then you're not supporting Jesus, whereas opposed to being like, no, no, no. I didn't agree with everything that Trump said, but again, I'm, I hired somebody to do a job, which was to protect and run my country. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Trump said, sorry losers and haters, but my IQ is one of the highest, and you all know it. Please don't feel so stupid or insecure, it's not your That's fault. That's funny. Yeah, I'm not laughing anymore. That's almost funny. Yeah, but I'm not laughing anymore. Uh, Jesus said, do not store it for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store it for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Wait, so stealing and breaking in is wrong. So <laughs> you do see how Christians were against the violent riots where they were breaking in and stealing. Like, do you, do you, you're even using the words that Christians are agreeing with here because... And, and then calling that a racist mentality. But then you're trying to weaponize it against them on, on Trump. Do, do you see why Christians are always going, are, are struggling during elections with this sort of thing? This is, he's just showing postmodernism, right? It's, it's self-hypocritical. Yeah, it's, it's self-defeating, but I'm going to keep touting it anyway. So for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Trump said, part of the beauty of me is that I'm very rich. Okay. She actually did a lot more. That's all I'm going to do. I could go on. You know, for the episodes that's supposed to be about Rhett's feelings, 
and his experience, it sure seems like he is concerned with other people's feelings. The power of ideology. Hmm. Moving on. Uh, there's, I want to comment on actually these particular teachings of Jesus that he says here. Cheating so. on his pregnant wife with a porn star, then Horrible. paying her off, bragging about grabbing women by the pussy. Horrible. Uh, bragging about being able to shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and not lose any supporters. Horrible. <laughs> Again, this is, none of this funny. is new. You've heard it from so many people. I would say, I'd be tempted to say, you know what, it's a little late for this, isn't it? It really is. And that's, that's yep. just the shocking thing is that it's not. But There's he doesn't want to talk about so don't want to talk about the, the allegiance is still there. Right. Now. Yeah, the allegiance is still there. Now, uh, listen, I know many evangelical Christians who recognize these quote unquote flaws <laughs> in Donald Trump. But, but they say racist. that he stands for their interests and he stands against something that's worse than him and therefore supporting him is justified, right? That's the position by, by many people. Now, Personally, I find it hard to square Jesus' words to turn the other cheek uh, with an almost obsessive insistence that civilians be able to carry an AR-15. Uh, Jesus said turn the other cheek because it was a moment of disrespect. Just like if I slapped you, Rhett, you would be like, wow, Will didn't so much assault me and try to threaten my life as you just feel like I insulted your person. That's what a slap is. A slap isn't like, I, I don't legally speaking it would be considered an assault, but really, you'd feel more insulted than assaulted. Uh, and here's why. When Jesus said, turn the other cheek, he's talking about a moment of dis being disrespected to turn the other cheek. You not know what seek, else Jesus seek said? Not what? seek vengeance. Yeah, not to seek vengeance. You know what else he said? He who does not own a sword, let him sell his cloak and buy one. In other words, get ready to defend yourself if necessary. But then he warns Peter later, he who lives by the sword dies by the sword. So in other words, there is a balance here. It's not just you can't have an AR-15 at all. It's no, no. Buy one, you know, be able to defend yourself and protect you and your own. But also don't live by it. If you're you know, wanting to shoot everyone with that, you're wrong. But you need to be able to defend your, your, you and your own. So again... Rhett, and this is where it's like, Rhett, how do you, how are you even a Christian ever? Like, I, this is where I'm like, you're, you have now mischaracterized the Bible so much just to fit your ideology mm -hmm. that, you know, you, you're, you've thrown your own credibility out the window on this. It's, Plus, it's really frustrating. You were just justifying violent riots because we need to understand why they were mad. And now you're coming across and saying, well, you can't have an AR-15 because God, God, God said that you have to turn the other cheek. Be consistent, man. Be consistent. Either violence is okay, so I guess the Christians want to use guns. Okay, cool. Or violence is never okay, and I see I see why the Christians were against violent riots. Pick also a lane. Like, also seems like people don't know how to dif differentiate between Trump's serious talk and Trump's sarcastic talk. Oh, yeah. Like, he's a pretty sarcastic guy. He says absurd stuff all the time, and that's his whole... Like, he knows he's saying something absurd. Like, it's kind of part of his joke. Like... People kind of forget that. And I'm just wondering, because these people say this type of talk is horrible. I'm like, man, if you worked around with the people I worked around all day and the stuff I hear all day, I can't repeat 80% of what I hear uh, at work on this program. It's horrible stuff that they, that they all joke around about. And, you know, I'm not over here going, 
racist. They're saying horrible things. I can't believe so and so just said that he would do that. It's like no, he's not serious. That's the that's the point. Like, yeah, uh, I find it hard to square Jesus' words about feeding and clothing the hungry with separating children from their families at the border. Uh, I find okay. We brought this up earlier just a little bit, but right now, and this is a little bit, we have a little bit knowledge of the future since when he recorded this. But right now, there are greater numbers under Joe Biden of kids in cages at the border separated from whoever adults they were with than under Trump. There are more, a lot more. And they're in the same buildings that Trump was using that were built by the Obama administration. So seriously, just watch any press conference lately. Jen Psaki has been getting all these questions about that. Cause like, wait a minute. I thought we weren't going to put kids in cages. Now you're putting them in cages. And now even they're going as far as saying, well, we have to keep them in cages because of COVID like kids who are the least affected by COVID who have a better chance of dying from the flu than COVID. We're saying, well, it's moral to put them in cages because we don't want them to get a, an illness that they will 100% and fully recover from or over or probably not even affect them. Like, this is the moral ground that you're trying to stand on right now. Also, Seriously. people seem to miss the point of why kids were... Like, and I know this is a theological show, not supposed to be political, but these when you're accusing people of white supremacy and you're using political things to thwart that... It does get political, so I do apologize about that. But also, it's like the reason why is that children are separated all the time from their parents when their parents commit crimes. My I, my brothers, again, I was in the foster I, – I, my family did foster care. I'm familiar with that. Kids are, are ripped away from their parents all the time. But, you know, the thing is that they don't have a foster system readily available at the border. They have to put the kids somewhere because a lot of these people aren't family. They are, could be child traffickers, drug traffickers. There could be any number of people. They have to check things out before they just go, oh, yeah, hang out with the kid, when that could be a child rapist. They don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know. So it's like, okay, yeah, does this suck emotionally right now? Yes. But for the kids possible, weigh, weigh the consequences here. Let's say it was a child trafficker trying to, trying to bring somebody to Epstein's jet, <laughs> um, bring a child to, you know, they're bringing them across the border. And you left them alone with their, this person who's supposedly their parent. And the child that gets raped. Oh, oh, well, why were they separated? <laughs> Great question. You see the moral dilemma here? It's not so black and white. And they even acknowledge that there really aren't a lot of options here. The current administration acknowledges that it's, this is very difficult. It, it is. I would, I'm glad I don't have to make those decisions. Mm -hmm. I, that's just, I'm glad I'm not in that decision seat. But I'm just saying, can you not see? These are difficult decisions. Leadership isn't easy because that's where gray areas hit. And then you have to try to figure out what is the least damaging thing we can do. Yeah. find it hard to square Jesus' words to the rich to sell their possessions with, uh, with supporting tax policy that concentrates wealth in the top 1% and gives corporations <laughs> the rights of individuals. I, don't, I can't make... All right, real quick, the rights of individuals think that actually wasn't tax policy. The corporations getting the same rights as individuals is actually from the Citizens United um, Supreme Court case. The Supreme Court case was was Hillary Clinton suing some people that are making a documentary about her and saying that they did not have the right to political speech because they're a corporation. And the Supreme Court said, no, they can because that is 
protected political speech, even if they are a corporation. Now, there's definitely a lot of things that I really disagree with, and I really don't like all the money in politics. But it's kind of funny that you take this stance here and saying and applying that to conservatives, because the reason why the left took the side against uh, corporations having rights is because they w- agreed with Hillary Clinton that people should make documentaries about her. Come on. Like, think about even just what you're saying right now on this channel. You're you're making political statements that is protected, not just as individual, but as your corporation of your YouTube channel. Uh, um, also, I did want to touch on that, too. They also always equate tax breaks with not helping the poor. Have you noticed that? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you gave corporations a tax break. That's it. You care more about money than you do helping poor people. It's like, no, how- Poor people work for corporations. Corporation has more money. Theoretically, they could, not always, but could pay them more. But either way, even if you raise the taxes that you didn't give them tax breaks, paying taxes doesn't mean you're helping the poor. (laughs) It doesn't. Have you seen the federal spending? I'm just throwing that out there. It's anyway, it's it gets silly. Uh, I could really rant on about that, but we don't have time. Those two things line up very well. But even then, there are still people who say, listen, look at what he did with the judges. He got three conservative judges on the Supreme Court. He got hundreds of uh, federal judges uh, uh, appointed, you know, good constitutional Christian conservatives. And therefore, all in all, he's done good, even if he's a bad, flawed person. Here's what I say to that. Uh, my <laughs> friend William Matthews made uh, an astute observation uh, about this desire for Christians to have power, uh, for their interest to be represented in the quote-unquote kingdoms of the world. In, in Matthew chapter four, you may remember this story. After Jesus had fasted for 40 days, Satan took him to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Now there's a lot to that story. But you're not gonna address any But the idea is that Satan himself was saying that like, I, that where I exert my power is in the traditional kingdoms of the world. And he's asking Jesus, are you interested in exerting your power there? And that was the temptation that Jesus said no to. And it seems to me, when I look at white evangelicals in 2021, they have fallen to the temptation that Jesus himself resisted. (sighs) Do you want to address that terrible eisegesis he just did? (laughs) I guess he's quoting someone, to be fair. He's just quoting someone else's terrible eisegesis. He's quoting someone else's terrible eisegesis while knowing better. And anyway, yeah, no, that's not what that is. People vote... Okay, I got to think of how I want to work, whatever, rant it is. So Jesus, it was talking about having the powers over all things in the world, you know, being the number one. Guess what? It wasn't Satan's to give. Jesus already owned it. It wasn't really a temptation. (laughs) God owns the world. That's what one of the things. Also, 
equating with Christians voting and having beliefs on how a nation is supposed to run with somehow desiring power is a complete false equivalency. We are all voting. I could just as easily say, oh, well, you're you communist pig. You're voting and you're just trying to usurp your power over me. No, that's not what this is. We're all voting moral values. Voting is literally legal action for moral values. That's what you're doing. You're trying to get legal rights, legal situations to happen, tax breaks or whatever. You're trying to create all these different things. That is what you're doing. You're voting moral, you're voting morality. And it's not voting for power. It's just going, whose moral values do we want to live by? And if you dislike a certain idea, idea, a certain law, then you better vote against that. It's not a power move. It's just, it's a social institution and structure in order for the civilization to balance itself out. Yeah, if you're going to characterize Christianity, please just spend a little bit more effort trying to get it. Accurate. Well, it'd be nice because then it's like, man, maybe if you actually brought up your objections uh, with Christianity and stop trying to like false equivocate and all these things, maybe we could actually talk about why Christianity is true, why, and mm. maybe possibly deal with some of your doubts. But it sounds like to me that as an ideology has taken root as opposed to actual objections toward the faith. I want you to come back to the faith. But if you're just being run by ideology, it's going to be re – yeah, see, there it is again. If you're just going to be run by ideology um, that opposes it just because it opposes it, then it's going to be really hard for us to be constructive at all. And that's the thing. It's These people oppose Christian uh, white evangelicals, so therefore I'm going to use their same arguments as opposed to having some sort of relative, relative intellectual honesty. You and I are Christians, and we're fairly conservative. It does not mean I use all the talking points that I hear other Christian conservatives use because I'm trying to have some sort of integrity here. That's maybe, maybe just take some of that thought and apply it to yourself. Well, it's kind of funny. His first video, he said, uh, all these Christians are going to say, well, it's because we moved to LA and now we're just adhering to all the ideology. Thanks for proving them right because you're literally verbatim, word for word, repeating um, a political ideology. And you're not and, even trying to represent it properly. Like, it would be so much easier not... I mean, you could even still not be Christian. You could still be even liberal. But if you had honest talking points, then people... It'd be a lot harder for people to say, oh, it's because you moved to L.A. <laughs> and you adapted their culture. But everything you're saying here is all the same false misrepresentation that's promulgated there. So it's it's... Yeah. It's just only proving them right. I just, yeah. That. There are problems with the American Christian Church. We have done several videos on it. Oh, that we is literally the it. whole point of this channel is to address the problems of the American Christian Church. But if you're not even going to represent it honestly, I don't even know why you're talking about it. Here's one way to see, here's one way to see it. Okay. If you're a white evangelical in America in 2021, you're no longer represented by Jesus. You're represented by the My Pillow guy. <laughs> oh, wow. The Got power him. of ideology again. I mean, that's what I would think hmm. because that's what I see. Oh, my gosh. So, again, so thankful that I was able to say that I'm not a part of this group. So thankful you don't have any Heading ideology. Into <laughs> but I want to address another aspect of, my, of the story. One of the common responses um, – to our story was a sense of like fear and panic that the two of us were leading kids astray, that these YouTubers who have this big audience that has a lot of kids in it are causing these crises of faith to happen all over the place, right? Mm -hmm. 
Um, and that in turn led to a lot of people talking about how churches and parents need to do a better job to train and educate young Christians to protect them from people like me and you, right? Yeah. Um, I have an alternative theory about why so many young people are leaving the church because oh, yes. they are leaving the church like never before. I would. I, I, I was gonna say I'd like to take credit for it, I'm gonna, but I'm not gonna say, what I'm saying is I don't think it's because of me and you and here's why. And I say this, I, I, I mean it, I say this out of love and respect because I do believe that there is hope for the church. He said that a lot of respect for all the racists out there. Yeah, I was calling all, all of us racists. Your kids are not leaving the church because you didn't train them enough. Your kids are leaving the church because you train them well enough to develop a sense for truth and justice. Okay, that's what I was waiting for him to say. So go back and watch what he said at the beginning, but he said that the church had a problem with truth. He said that the church had a problem with accepting the ideas of justice. Well, yeah, didn't he say have like a nefarious relationship with, with truth yeah, and justice? Yeah, I think it was nefarious. It was... Something it was like very that. strong words, specifically about truth and justice. And now he's saying, "Well, guys, you do such a good job at preparing your kids for for understanding truth and justice. That's why they're leaving the church." Which is it, Red? Which is it? Either the church is full of a whole bunch of racists that have a very bad uh, relationship with truth and justice, or they're pushing truth and justice. I have my own theories as to why young people are leaving. That's a whole topic for another video. But um, I'd say a few of them is one is the what you're doing right now and not and not this whole, oh, I'm so intellectual. Look at no, no. It's this constant broad brushing and then shaming people with the labels of like racist, homophobe and shame, shame, social shame. Now kids are like, ah, oh, no. And then because you control the people control the narrative by slapping labels and just repeating the labels. I mean, how many times do they say white evangelicals in this? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've never known any I, – I, whenever someone keeps bringing up race and uses that as their linchpin, you're the racist. So thanks for being racist, I guess, Rhett. Um, but when you're <laughs> – with these young kids, it's like, no, that's – so there's that. They have social pressure. Also, now um, churches are very weak in – they're good in heart, bad in brain. Uh, apologetics is almost non-existent, which is why I so appreciate people like Cameron Bertuzzi at Caption Christianity, you know, John, uh, Jonathan McRae at, uh, you know, What Do You Mean? And then, of course, my boy Braxton Hunter at Trinity Radio um, and, you know, these other channels, uh, Daniel Apologetics, who was recently on. You know, I really appreciate these people because, like, no, finally, they're bringing an intellectual side in going, no, 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 there are answers to the objections. Yeah, they're asking the questions you were scared to ask. And there's an ontological reason and an epistemological reason as to why you can believe Christianity is true, not including the historicity of things. So um, I think, honestly, apologetics is one of the biggest reasons why. And also, I would say, art of hypocrisy, legalism, and a, a lot of other reasons as to why. But there's a lot of – but it's not because what you say here, they – Get it, because the church is so bad at truth and justice, but yet you guys are so good at truth and justice that they got it. Like, whatever nonsensical statement that's all about. Just listen to what you've just been saying for the last 25 minutes. You don't even agree with yourself. This is the power of 
this is the true power of bad ideology, right? Is that you're not even con containing a consistent viewpoint here. You can't be logical, consistent through this whole video because you can't touch on all the points you want to touch on. You want to touch on why the church is all racist and terrible and doesn't understand why people are violent and also say, well, the reason why everyone's leaving your church is because, well, they just have a great, strong sense of truth and justice that you taught them. It It's either... This is an environment that's promulgating what you said was it had a spurious relationship with justice, or it's an environment that is that is encouraging truth and justice. It can't be both. It really can't be both. You let them read the words of Jesus. Who you and they got with. it. And they've recognized that the church doesn't seem to be interested in those words. They're not leaving because they don't know the truth, they're leaving because they do. This isn't necessarily something that they would articulate. This is something that is happening on a soul level. Because me and you didn't give any, pe we didn't give people new information that they never considered. There, there wasn't anything revolutionary. There wasn't anything any, even particularly insightful about what we had to say on our podcast. Honestly, nothing that we said was never, it all been said before. I agree. Mm -hmm. But Power I think the ideology. thing that we did is we demonstrated that it is okay to question it is okay to question it all. Your kids were. Unless you question the current status quo. <laughs> yeah. If you question the current status quo, you're racist. So it's not okay to question unless I say it's okay to question. How authoritarian <laughs> of you. Remember, he, he literally just said like 20 minutes ago that it's a, you can't question systemic racism. You can't question the rationale behind violence and riots. But also he's saying, well, it's okay to question everything. You, you know, that's a good thing to do. You can't even be consistent with your own self. Yep. Follow is, your own logic. This is postmodernism through and through. It's it this really weird, is. wild subjectivism that self-defeating and contradicting statements can both be true at once. Um, it doesn't matter. Find your own truth. All these different things. It's all that. In the words of C.S. Lewis, good philosophy must exist if for no other reason but to, be, to answer bad, yeah, uh, bad philosophies. Butchered that, but got it out. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's so it's, – this, it, it, this is sad. This is, I think we've seen enough. Guys, I was going to say with all due respect, but I don't, even, I don't even mean that. Go back to making more videos about which free bread at restaurants is better. That's clearly in your wheelhouse. Talking about theology, talking about politics, talking about truth is clearly not. You have completely adhered to a postmodernist modernistic ideology. You are hook, line, and sinker, inundated with it. And now you think that you're somehow educating the public by just repeating the talking points. Most of what you said was quotes and just reading what other people said. You don't really have even any real original thoughts here. You're just reading stuff. Even when you were trying to explain how what you thought Christianity was at the beginning, you had to read that. You couldn't even remember what it meant to be a Christian. And now you're here telling us why you were such a racist Christian in the past. Get over yourself. Go back to your funny, silly videos. That is where your wheelhouse is. Leave the theology to the big boys. <laughs> Ouch. Oh, I'm... I think we're going to leave the show to you now. <laughs> I don't want to be associated with that mic drop. But I'm no, not even saying we're the big boys. I'm just saying, gosh, it's man. It's true, though. No, it's so true. I'm, I, you're right. I mean, I'm not going to say you're not wrong. 
if you're going to comment on theology and philosophy and social issues, be educated on it. You know, that's why every video I make, I, I really do double check everything. I mean, how long does it take us sometimes to put one out? You know, it, it's people have no idea when, when these are in the cycle, like from when we, because we pre record, then we put them out. Mm -hmm. It takes us a minute to put our thoughts together. Or, and what's funny is that people don't realize it's like, no, I, some of the stuff I can put together quickly only because I did so much research in the past. I knew where to find the information to be able to present it. You can't just, yeah, you guys are good at, you're hilarious. I, okay. They're talented. They're funnier than anything. And honest to goodness, I think they have good hearts. I just think they've been completely misled. And guys, still nothing you've presented actually points to the fact that Christianity is false. You said that nothing that you said before is revolutionary. It's true. Nothing you said was revolutionary. No. And nothing points to that Christianity is false, even now. So what you're saying – so again, I welcome the invite, even though this might have felt like a – like we were scathing you a little hard on it, but it's just you're making claims and you, then you keep bringing up, you know, I'm a white evangelical and you're calling me a racist. I'm literally married to a minority. One of my close friends at work is actually both, both my close friends at work are black. And I'm not, oh, yeah, I can't be racist. I have black friends. They're like, no, it's it, when people say that, oh, yeah, no, you are. You're just, you know, you're showing your racism because you're hiding behind their race. It's like, no, I'm showing you the first thing that proves that I'm not. Stop calling people racist based on nothing. Yeah. You know, stop attacking the church on baseless accusations. You know, I, there's real issues in the church. And there, I will say that there are racists in the church and there are racist theologies in the church. Um, Peter Ruckman was a racist, you know, one of the biggest King James only advocates. Uh, I, a friend of mine was a huge Ruckmanite, but then he left the IFB and he's like, well, sometimes I don't think it's wrong to completely use uh, some of his stuff. I'm like, okay. I sent him some quotes of Ruckman about me being a race mixer. And he was like, I didn't realize he held these ideologies. I'm like, yeah, you know? So again, you're calling, you're calling the church racist or you're, you're throwing accusations and you're not even getting the nuance as to what, what, why Christians might disagree on these things. I understand. Uh, that's why I want to talk to a Christian who disagrees with me politically, I understand where the distinctions are made, mm -hmm. which is where a conversation could take place. But I'm not going to call him a racist or a commie because we disagree. Yeah. It's silly. This was not unifying. This wasn't justifying. This wasn't trying to bring healing. This wasn't trying to bring Christians truth. This was just a woke scolding session masquerading as some of your personal feelings. You know, and we I saw hear, through it. And guys, so those of you who are watching or listening, and maybe you completely disagree with us, um, you know, and I'm not, you know, again, that's okay. But I want us to be clear on the fact that there are good reasons to be a Christian and don't let people control the narrative because it, it, I think people have done that for too long. We, we've gone and not speaking up. We're, we're too afraid to speak on this because it's controversial. We don't want the label slapped on us. But guys, when you don't, when you don't start controlling the narrative a little bit, this is what happens. Mm -hmm. you, bumper stickers take over all thoughts and no one actually starts challenging these things um, or investigating whys. Like even, you know, so anyhow, guys, I, I do. Do you have anything to add there, Brian? No, I've said all I can say. <laughs> yeah. I, I, there's more we could say, honestly, this is only a fraction. We had to be selective on what parts we picked, mm -hmm. but I hope you guys can see the contradictions. I hope you guys can see the nuances and I hope you guys can see the falsehoods. I hope we've done a good enough job at doing that. And we don't do this because, and I want you guys to understand something. I don't do this. Brian doesn't do this because we hate people and we like to give ourselves a big ego. Um, I've believed lies. I have lived a lie. 
And I used to use my ideology to label people just as harshly as they're labeling people. I was just on a different area, a different side of the fence than them right now. And it's horrible. And I realized just how many people I hurt with that while believing a lie, Mm -hmm. while acting out poorly, and how much I misrepresented people and misunderstood people. And I think I'm a much better person now for being able to recognize that. You know, I love Rhett and Link. I've actually have always enjoyed them. Um, it's just sad to see when an ideology like this does take over and people end up getting hurt in the process. So anyway, guys, thank you so much for being along. I thank you. I hope this ministry is a blessing and it lets you know the fact that you don't have to be scared about your thoughts. Uh, you, you, if you know what you're talking about, you can defend some defend things. And I'm not saying I, I mean, I'm not Mr. Th- holding three PhDs and, you know, top level philosopher. Uh, I'm a pastor and I think I, you know, it's okay for pastors and whatnot. You guys can get out there in the battlefield of ideas. So just go ahead and do it. Um, anyhow, guys, thank you all for watching and listening. Uh, like and subscribe. Uh, those of uh, you on Apple, go leave me more reviews. Uh, go leave some reviews for the church split. There's a, there's podcasts that have more reviews than us. I think it's we don't push this. Go review us. Go go leave us a five star. Tell us why you like us, um, or you know where we could improve. We welcome that sort of thing. You know we we tried to keep the talking over the video today to a minimal because that was one of the criticisms we've got. And I think they were correct in saying so. Brian, I just have so much to say. We want to say it right now. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> too much work to pause. We just want to keep talking. Yeah, we just want to keep talking and let you guys hear all the chaos that's ensuing. Uh, anyway, guys, thank you so much. God bless you all. And I hope to talk to you all very soon and feel free to email us any questions or any topics to, for us to cover at the church split at gmail.com. Take care.